What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at penfed.org slash savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Chapter 16 of Whither Thou Goest by William LeCue. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Tom Weiss. Chapter 16. Moreno had declared to Violet Hargrave that he proposed to go to bed early and wait till tomorrow for the news. When he spoke, that had been his original intention. But as the evening drew on, he began to feel a certain restlessness stirring in him. Certain things were about to happen, or, as he hoped, to be frustrated. He could hardly compose himself to sleep under the unusual circumstances. He would go out, and form one of the undistinguished crowd that clustered round the palace gates. If anything dramatic happened, he could not fail to be aware of it. The news would spread like wildfire. On his arrival he caught sight of a woman closely veiled standing close to him. He recognized her at once. It was evident that Mrs. Hargrave could no more endure to stay indoors than he could. He moved up a few paces and spoke to her in English, practically their native tongue. The same sudden impulse seized both of us, he whispered. Well, it is a very orderly crowd. I don't think we shall be pushed or knocked about. We shall enjoy the sight of the grandees arriving. By the way, it is a pity we were not sent an invitation. Then we could have seen it from the inside. Violet Hargrave whispered back. I simply couldn't stay indoors. My nerves seem on edge tonight. Mine are a bit out of time, too, answered Moreno in a low voice and, while they were waiting, Moreno indulged in several philosophical reflections. A curious and not ill-natured crowd was gathered round the palace, something like the throng that gathers round the wedding. There was no harm in these good-humoured laughing persons, mainly of the lower order. They were not envious of the people who went inside, these men in court costume, these women of another world, daintily attired. They discussed and admired the good looks of the men, the exquisite costumes of the women. If the court chamberlain had suddenly appeared, and in the name of their majesties bade them enter the royal precincts in a spirit of perfect equality with the other guests, they would have been very embarrassed and, save for a few adventurous spirits, have declined the invitation. They would have felt out of place. From what causes arose this antagonism amongst the clever extremists of the proletariat toward the more fortunate ones of the earth? Moreno was puzzled to find a solution. Envy, perhaps, was the contributing cause. And yet the ordinary man who dines at a common eating-house is not always envious of the man who eats a sumptuous luncheon at the Ritz or Carlton. 
the middle-class, prosperous, professional man does not always gnash his teeth when he thinks of a nobleman, possibly his client, who has a rent-roll of a hundred thousand a year. Moreno was very just. There was a time when he had had to fare very frugally, and he had not complained. Things had improved. When the fancy took him, he would indulge in a good dinner, a bottle of champagne, and an excellent cigar. Was he hurting the toiling millions very much if he occasionally indulged in these luxuries? Were the few fortunate ones of the earth, and after all they were very few, hurting him if they indulged in them every day? Night was slowly settling over the city. Far away from this scene of revel and display, some thousands of humble workers had eaten their frugal suppers and were preparing for bed. If all the money that was to be spent upon this function had been shared between them, would they have been much the richer? Champagne, excellent cigars, and good dinners could not be given to every creature on God's earth. That was an exorable economic law which no revolutionist could alter. He was raised from his reveries by a light touch on his arm. Who are these two men? It was Violet Hargrave who spoke. Somehow they looked people of importance. Moreno recognized them at once as they drove slowly through, the chief of the Secret Service, the head of the police. He was glad that they were on the scene early. They might not have quite the perfect methods of the corresponding French organizations, but perhaps they would justify themselves before the night was over. I don't know them from Adam, but, as you say, they certainly look persons of importance, especially the fat one. Always suspicious, he wondered if Mrs. Hargrave was trying to draw him herself knowing who they were. Anyway, she had failed. He was not to be caught by a leading question like that. Then presently she nudged him. Look, look, the chief. Yes, it was Contreras, driving in a humble cab. His fine lined face showed clear against the waning light. Wonderful man, the brains of sixty, the fire and energy of twenty, said Moreno glibly. He spoke with all the enthusiasm of a true son of the revolution. Mrs. Hargrave made no comment. Equipage after equipage rolled up, containing fair women and brave men. The palace was one blaze of light. The crowd grew closer, enjoying the spectacle of the arriving guest, and it seemed a crowd that was at once good-humored and appreciative, if at times critical. Moreno turned to his companion. I say it's a bit of a shame that you and I are not inside instead of here, eh? I think Contreras might have worked that while he was about it. Mrs. Hargrave smiled back. She was very attracted by this black-browed young Spaniard. My dear friend, under the new regime, we shall all go to court. To the court of Contreras, I suppose? Something of that sort, answered Violet, letting herself go a little. And Madame Contreras, more aristocratic than any queen, will smile condescendingly, and the pretty daughter will turn up her nose at us. The conversation was getting dangerous. Mrs. Hargrave must be checked in her impulsive moods, which, he honestly admitted, were very rare. Ah, if I could see dear old Contreras in that position, I would die happy, he exclaimed with a splendid mendacity. Mrs. Hargrave stole the quiet glance at him. Yes, he is very wonderful, is he not? but I can't honestly say I like his womenkind. They have no sympathy with his aspirations. As they were speaking, a very gorgeous carriage rolled up. It contained the Duchess del Pineda and Valerie de Mont. 
the duke had not accompanied them he had pleaded indisposition but probably prudence had dictated his absence anyway if certain things happened it would be possible for him to plead a successful alibi look look cried violet hargrave a little excitedly for her valerie de Mont. moreno the kindly-hearted felt a spasm of pity as he gazed upon the face of the handsome fanatical young frenchwoman whom that wily old contreras had subjugated to his evil will poor child he said aloud for the benefit of his companion i can only hope she will not lose her nerve it was a man's job but she would insist upon having it there was a little lull in the procession of carriages and then there drove up one conveying guy rossett and a colleague the ambassador had already arrived with his wife moreno stole a glance at his companion she was heavily veiled but he could see that her face had grown pale that a sad look had come into her eyes our admirable young diplomatist whispered the young man well madrid is not a very safe place for him but he is in no danger to-night i take it came back the answer in a whisper as low as his own i should say not for the present we have left him out of our calculations we are flying at higher game he will hardly come within the sphere of valerie's operations his chief may i doubt even that mrs hargrave made no comment presently moreno spoke in the same low whisper you have no great affection for mr rossett i take it no i have not any great affection for mr rossett and yet you were once very good friends mrs hargrave stiffened a little you seem to know a great deal of my private affairs yes we once were very good friends he knew my husband long before i married him i fancy i have told you that moreno was not to be daunted by her aloof attitude he was never wanting an enterprise i should not be surprised if at the present moment you hated him perhaps you are right was the curt answer moreno indulged in a quiet inward chuckle if she had known that isabel clandon was established so close to her lover that through his adroit manipulation of affairs they were meeting every day her hatred must have expressed itself more heartily valerie de mont under the wing of the unsuspecting duchess was now within the palace she had only once before looked upon a scene approaching this and it had been much less brilliant once early in their married life her husband had taken her to one of the president's receptions in paris it was easy in his position to secure the entree for himself and his wife she remembered that evening well never had she felt more humiliated half a dozen times old monsieur varenne had introduced her to some of his acquaintances there was a formal bow interchanged and nothing beyond one and all they had sheared off even in a republican and democratic country these purse-proud citizens would have nothing to do with the girl who had come from the music halls she recalled how when she reached home that night she had burst into a fit of wild sobbing and her kind elderly husband had tried to comfort her calm thyself mon chéri we will not go to these hateful places again we will lead our own life to-night how different a court one of the oldest in europe reflecting that atmosphere of pomp and state associated with long-descended royalty the kindly young king his british-born queen chatting graciously with their favoured guests men in resplendent uniforms and orders great ladies of the highest spanish nobility what a contrast to the homely reception of the president in those far-off days 
then she had been escorted by a very wealthy but somewhat shady financier whose influence had not been sufficient to enable her to scale the social heights to which she had aspired to-night she was under the wing of a popular chaperone in whose veins ran the proudest blood of spain the duchess acting according to instructions introduced her to everybody she came across mademoiselle de 